weeks ago, uh, you know, and, and we saw that we need to be careful who we're watching. You know, we are influenced by those we watch, whether you realize it or, that, or not, we realize it. Uh, you, you need to realize you are influenced by those you watch. Even if you realize they're a bad influence and you continue to watch, you are influenced by them. You know, now we may see some that we envy and see as their ease, their abundance, their carefree lifestyle. There is no such thing as a carefree lifestyle. All right? There is no such thing as a carefree lifestyle. The, you know, the, the only people who have a carefree lifestyle are dead. You know, they, you know, they, that's, that's, that's it. I mean, if you have life, there, there are some cares there. There may not be much, but, but they are there. You are only seeing what they want you to see. There's no such thing. And that envy causes you to lean away from God. And as you lean away from God, soon you start compromising what it is that God tells us, and you end up walking away from God. Now, last week we looked at verses 13 through 20, and we saw the importance of a broader perspective. Now, there, you know, it's not simply seeing more than what our tunnel vision allows. We need that. We need to see more than what our, our tunnel vision allows. You know, we, we need to see more than that, but that, that, that's not where it stops. Uh, you know, you, 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 you don't see the world as accurately as you think you do. I would say I don't want to burst your bubble, but I do want to burst your bubble. You don't see the world as accurately as you think you do. And, you, you know, we need to realize that. And we need to work to see things from God's perspective. And we, real, we need to realize we will grow in that as well. This is what he talks about in verses 13 through 20 there. Uh, today, today we're going to look at the, the you know, the... Uh, That's not it. It should say, choose wisely. You know, that's what we're going to look at. The importance of choosing wisely. Fill that in. Just leave that one. I'll get to it. I'll get to that. Just leave it. Your first one there is the importance of choosing wisely. Not this one. This is not the first one. This is the second one. All right? I must have had a thumb spasm or something. So that's what we're going to look at, though, the importance of choosing wisely. You know, we're, we're going to go through these verses uh, just you know, a, a little bit, a few at a time, look at three factors to help us make wise choices. See, there it is, the importance of choosing wisely. Uh, you know, we're going to look at three factors to help us make good choices. Um, and... It seems that everyone does not want to make good choices. We would think they would, but it seems that, you know, some people don't want to make good choices. Have you ever watched somebody doing something and think to yourself, why would they do that? You know, why would they do that? I mean, we've all seen, we've all seen situations like, you know, like that before. And we think, why would they, what in the world, why would they do that? Whatever would make them think that this was a good idea. You know, I mean, we've all had, all had those moments. Follow along, verse 21. He says, When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal towards you. Now, there's the slide. Know that your emotions will have an impact on your choices. No, they will have an impact on your choices. That word embittered, he says, when I became embittered, uh, 
you know, that, that word means to sour, to ferment. You know, when I became, when I, when I allowed this to become sour, when I allowed this to ferment within me, it's a res, it's a result of a process of time. It, you know, it's not, it's not simply, you know, it's not simply dealing with an issue or dealing with an offense. Uh, you know, it, it's a process of a time. When I became embittered, when I allowed that, you know, to sour, to ferment, uh, when I, when I let that happen, you know, when I kept, when I kept feeding that, that 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 what what I thought was you know the, the wrong thing, he said, and and my innermost being was wounded, wounded. The word means to sharpen, to pierce. You know that, that when I let that ferment, you know, then it was just like 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 somebody stabbing me. But in this instance, it's a self-inflicted wound. It's a self-inflicted wound here coming from the bitterness that you allowed to grow and allowed to infect your heart. When I became bitter, when I let that, when I, you know, whether it's that envy that he was talking about earlier or an offense, whatever, when, I, when, I, when I became embittered, when I let that sour, when I let that, when I let that rot inside of me, he said, it's a self-inflicted wound. When you don't resolve an issue, when you choose that you're going to harbor a hurt, you know, when you, need, when you continue to feed a grudge, when you pick up an offense, you know, when you choose to leave these unresolved, they sour and your wound grows. Don't feed a hurt. When you're hurt, don't feed it. Quit feeding that offense against you. And it may be a real offense. I'm not saying that you're just making these up. That's not the point. The point is quit feeding that stuff. You know, don't put that in there. Work to resolve hurts. Now it's not working. Work to resolve hurts. You know, you, you do this by going to the individual and try to clear things up. You, you, you take those steps. Now, pay attention to this. This doesn't mean that you go to them to get them to see things your way. Do you understand that? This does not mean that you go to them to get them to see things your way. That's not what he's talking about. You know, what he's talking about resolving things. Now, we, we sometimes take verses and we run them almost, almost to a ridiculous extreme. Matthew chapter 18 Matthew chapter 18, uh, verse 15, he says, If your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. Okay, so what we do is we take that verse and we see that and then we think, okay, now we're going to go straighten everybody out. This verse doesn't call us to straighten everything out. This verse calls us to be reconciled with our brother. He is calling us to be reconciled, not to give everybody the benefit of our wisdom. The goal is reconciliation, not victory. It's not pounding them down. The goal is reconciliation. Now here's a thought for you, you know, while you're while you are rebuking, while you're rebuking, be open to being rebuked. 
listen. Go to them to listen, to hear. Be open to learning something about yourself. Go to them and seek to understand them rather, rather than trying to get them to, to understand your point. Rather than getting, getting there to make your point. Go there trying to understand them. And you know, here's a nice thing. If they don't want to reconcile, you can still forgive them. In fact, you should still forgive them. We're talking about forgiveness a lot in, in class uh, today. Ephesians chapter 4. They want me to move along. And be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Forgiving one another. What's the standard of that forgiving? The way God forgave you. You forgive them in the same way that God forgave you. Colossians chapter 3. He says, Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy in love, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, You see those qualities he's telling you to put on there? Heartfelt compassion. Going to them and trying to understand what they're saying and doing rather than going to them just to get them to agree with you. Heartfelt compassion. Kindness. I have trouble with that sometimes. I know you guys would find this hard to believe, but everyone wouldn't find me kind. Humility. Gentleness. There's another one. And patience. What aggravates me about other people usually is my impatience more than what they did. Well, it goes on. He says, accepting one another and forgiving one another. Accepting and forgiving one another. But they didn't ask me to forgive. I don't see anything in here where it says if they ask you to forgive them. I don't see anything in here where it tells you get them to ask for forgiveness. I don't see anything in here about that. What I see in here is it tells you to give forgiveness. That you forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, just there is that standard again. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must I didn't write this, God did. So you must also forgive. And whenever you stand praying, Mark chapter 11, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything, if you have anything against anyone, if you have anything against anyone, if there's anything you have against anyone, anything you have against anyone, he says, forgive him. Forgive them. So that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. We may not always be real good at this, but we should always be trying. The words that should never come out of your heart are I can never forgive them. 
whatever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. So that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. You see, because if you don't forgive them, if you don't do that, then what's going to happen is this bitterness, you know, this fermentation will impact your choices. Choose to reconcile. Make that choice. Choose to reconcile. Choose to remove the impasse. Choose to remove the blockage. It, you know, it not only impacts your choices, it impacts you spiritually. Because bitterness is spiritually destructive. It is spiritually destructive. Jesus was telling a parable about uh, an unmerciful servant who he was forgiven a massive debt. So we refer to him as the unmerciful servant because he was forgiven a massive debt, something, an amount of money he could never ever repay in his entire life. Not only him, but you know, his whole family would never be able to pay that. that that's a, the massive amount of debt that was there. And he says that then he came upon uh, you know, a, another guy who owed him some, some money. A significantly lesser amount, you know, and he owed him some money, but he wouldn't forgive the fellow servant who owed him a much smaller amount. And Jesus gives this warning in Matthew chapter 18, and his master got angry, handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything he was owed. So my heavenly father, will also do to each of you if you if you, to each if you who does not forgive his brother from his heart you see because our lack of forgiveness shows that we really don't understand forgiveness it shows we really don't appreciate forgiveness we simply wanted to be let off the hook that's what we wanted we wanted to be let off the hook ourselves and we didn't under we, we we don't even grasp what 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 forgiveness really is, and we underestimate the freedom of forgiveness, and we underestimate the destructiveness of unforgiveness. We don't appreciate the freedom that comes from us forgiving, and we don't we don't. Uh, we, we don't grasp a hold of the reality of the destructiveness of unforgiveness. goes on, verse 21. It says, When I became embittered, well, that is where we started. When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal toward you. Choose Forgiveness. Choose forgiveness. One more verse concerning the impact of our emotions. Drop down to verse 26 there. Verse 26, he says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. You see, when, when, we, when we follow the desires of the flesh, we're going to be led astray. Here he says, My flesh and my heart may fail. God is the desire of my heart, my portion forever. You may ever once in a while have what, you know, it's not that, you know, every once in a while you might have a good idea, but, you know, if that's what you're depending on, that's it, going to fail and you're going to be led astray. First uh, John chapter 2, he says, Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This doesn't mean you can't love cinnamon rolls, but what it means is don't let cinnamon rolls dictate your life. You know, what he's talking about here is you know our attachment to things. Oh, I've been studying, I've been, I've been studying Ecclesiastes because we're going to get into that, and I'm just loving it. But it, it fits right in with it. This whole don't do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's lifestyle. It's not from the Father, but from the world. And the world with its lusts. That's a good word. Well, a good description. It's not the good word. (laughs) It's lust. You know, is passing away. But the one who does God's will will remain forever. Now remember, most often when John uses the word world, he means those, those things that are opposed to God. Uh, some very directly and very vehemently, but also some just ideologically. It's mindsets that are opposed to God, mindsets that can even be hostile to God, but they don't have to always express their hostility. It's just that opposition to God. And even our heart can't be trusted. Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? The answer to that question is God is the one who understands it. And that's why he gives us all the teachings in his word. The desires of our flesh and the desires of our heart need to be brought under the influence of God. The, 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 you know, the, the, the whole thing of the heart needs to be brought under the influence of God, needs to be brought under the direction of God. Because if we let our heart and our emotions rule, we end up in trouble. Our, our desires change. God remains constant. Malachi, you know, for I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews, he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Choose to follow God rather than your emotions. Choose to follow God rather than your emotions. Your feelings are not the standard. This is a lot of the foolishness that's going on in our society today. Your feelings are not the standard. It's, it's not, you know, how you feel about something. You know, that's not, that's, that's not the standard. The standard is God's word. The standard is God's truth. When you let your emotions be the standard, you're going to end up in the wrong place. Verse 23, pick up again. Yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me up in glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. So remind yourself of the Lord's presence. Remind yourself of the Lord's love. God does not abandon us. God does not leave us on our own. 
He is not an absent God, but a very present God. He didn't just start things up and then leave. He didn't save us and then just leave us on our own. He isn't present only sometimes. God is always available to us. But here's the thing. Look at the focus of that verse. The focus on that verse is on where we choose to place ourselves. God is always available. And the focus of that verse then, you know, he says, yet I am always with you. It is where we are choosing to place ourselves. While God is available and God is there and God will not just wander off and leave you on your own. What he's saying here is, yet I am always with you. We choose to walk with God or we choose to walk on our own. There's, there's your choice. You choose to walk with God or you choose to walk on your own. Psalms, uh, Psalm 89, verse 15. Happy are the people who know the joyful shout, Yahweh. They walk in the light of your presence. Isaiah chapter 2. House of Jacob, come and let us walk in the Lord's light. 1 John chapter 1. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Choose to walk with God. He says there, Yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. Now, now see, notice the perspectives here. This perspective is, I am choosing to walk with you. But notice, notice, you know, right here, the, the order here is important. You hold my right hand. You hold my right hand. He holds my hand. When I go walking, you know, with my younger grandchildren and I hold their hand, uh, we may be hand in hand, but I am holding their hand. If they slip... I got them. And I can hold them up until they are able to get their feet back underneath themselves. I am strong enough to be able to hold them until they can regain their balance once again. There's the picture for you. When you walk with God and you slip, He's got us. He's got us. His strength is there to save us, is there to rescue us, is there to help us get back on our feet once again. He guides us with His counsel, it says, with His plan. That's what the word means, His, his plan. You know, He has given us so much counsel and, and so much of His plan in His Word, the Bible. He has given us an abundance of counsel, an abundance of His plan right here in His Word. And He directs us, helps us to see, you know, to see His plan, the way in which we should live, you know, the, the wisdom that we should make our decisions, best, uh, our decisions on, the best way to live. He has as all for us. You know, he makes His strength and wisdom available to us. But there's more. He says, who have I in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. God will not abandon us. Don't abandon Him. 
don't abandon him. Who do I have in heaven but you? I desire nothing on earth but you. Don't walk away from him. You know, when you have that desires that are contrary to who he is, when you have those desires that are contrary to his word, don't abandon God for those desires. Don't find yourself leaning away from God. Lean into God. Remind yourself of his presence. Remind yourself of his love. Remind yourself of his strength. His commitment to be with you. You know, to the end of, the very end of your earthly life until he calls you to be right there in his presence. Choose to be with him. Choose not to walk away. Choose not to compromise. And here's why. Look at verse 28. Or 27, excuse me. Those far, some of the verses we, we just read in the service. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. <clears throat> I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. Remember, choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. These two verses show you the difference that a choice makes. These two verses right here show you that difference that a choice makes. Choosing to be far from God, choosing to do your own thing, to follow your own desires, to follow your own heart, you know, to let your emotions guide you, choosing to walk away from the Lord's presence, choosing to ignore His strength and care, the consequence is God gives you what you asked for. <coughs> and you perish. Destroyed, cut off, you know, cut off, lost, nowhere to flee. It says they are destroyed. That there's nowhere to turn. Those who choose to live disconnected from God will remain disconnected from God in eternity. The choice that they make. But verse 28, those who realize God is their God. You know, that, that, that he is their good. Notice how he says that, you know. But as for me, God's presence is my good. He is not just for our good. It's an even stronger connection than that. He is, he is our good. And then it says, then God is their refuge. Man, I hope I never forget. You know, Ralph was sharing one time, you know, when, when he was talking and... He was talking about this whole picture of a refuge, that shelter, that, that protection, a place of rest in the midst of a storm. That's a refuge. It's in the midst of a storm. You know, I, I can remember you know, when we were out in the boundary waters and, and, you know, we're, and a storm comes in. And I can remember, you know, Jenny and I... and. Seven kids that we weren't related to. And, uh, you know, standing under a tree in a pouring rain. But that tree was a refuge in the midst of that storm. There's the picture for you. That, that, that place of, of reprieve, that place of protection in the midst of a storm. God is our refuge. There are the choices. 
rejecting, walking away from Him, leaning away from Him, chasing the world. Rejecting God brings disaster. It brings disaster. It won't last. I envied the wicked when I saw how well they were doing. It won't last. It brings disaster. Chasing the world instead of God brings disaster. But being with the Lord brings refuge. It brings refuge. Choices make a difference. Know that your emotions will impact your choices, so follow God, not your emotions. Remember the Lord's presence. Remember the Lord's love, His strength are available to you when you walk with Him. And remember that choices have consequences. And choose wisely. Look at the very first verse of this psalm again. In fact, let me just read through the whole psalm once again. Just, just, just follow along in your Bible, but pay attention to the first verse. God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray. For I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die, and then their body and their bodies are well fed. They are not in trouble like others. They're not afflicted like most people. Therefore, pride is their necklace, and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore, his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. The wicked say, how can God know? Does the Most High know everything? Look at them, the wicked. They're always at ease. They're always increased their wealth. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I had decided to say these things out loud, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. Indeed, you put them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by terrors, like one, walk, like one waking from a dream. Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal toward you, yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me up in glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And that I desire nothing on earth but you. My heart... My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. 
You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. You see, it starts with good. Verse 1, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. It ends with good. But at Verse 28, but as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. Have you thought about that last phrase? So I can tell about all you do. Have you ever thought about that? Have you thought about why God still has you here? I can remember talking to Mrs. Eby, you know, and she's right where her you know, great-granddaughter sit. Uh, and I can remember talking to her. When she, I, I'd come in, and she, you know, she's in her 90s when I got here. And, you know, and, and she'd say to me, I, I don't know why I'm still here. And then she would say, God must still have something for me to do. Have you ever thought about why God still has you here? Has you, have you ever considered why God put you in the job that He has you in? Have you ever wondered why He placed you in your neighborhood? Have you ever pondered why He has given you the friends that you have? Let me answer with the closing phrase of this psalm. So you can tell about all that he does. You know, sometimes you think you don't know what to say. Tell about all that he does. The difference a choice makes. Choose to tell others all he does. Because that choice, that choice may make a world of difference for them. Someone chose to tell you. (coughs) Someone chose to tell you. Now, you choose to tell others all that He does. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word and Your truth. And it is... uh, It is a blessing for us to know you and to be yours. Help us to share that blessing with others, that others might come to know you too, that we might talk about all that you do. Thank you for not leaving us on our own. Thank you for being our refuge, our source of strength, our source of help, the comfort when we need it, the wisdom and direction that you give us in your word and in your presence and in your people. Help us to live as those people who know you. Help us to speak as those people who love you. Thank you for your word. Make it real in our lives, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.